I'm going to continue on the subject of um, growing in the word. But before we dig into that, you know, Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord God with all your hearts. With all your soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord. And the status which I commanded this day. For thy good. For thy good. Now you see every promises of God. Every commandment of God. Is for our what? Is for our what? Is for our good. Is for our benefit. He said, everything I'm telling you to do is not for the good of God. It is for our own good. Now, what is it that will usher us into this goodness? He said, I am commanding you to love me. I am commanding you to serve me. I am commanding you to fear and reverence me. So if you do this, you are doing this for your own good. You see, if we don't serve God, God will not miss us. Because Jesus said he can raise up stone to prison. You know, one of the emphasis I've been making is this. It is not appropriate for you to live your life seven days a week without having a special day that is dedicated for God. It is a life of restlessness. The Bible says that God walked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. According to the principles that God himself showed to us, we must have a day that is dedicated for God. Saturday is Sabbath. Resurrection is Sunday. We as Christians, we because Sunday is the first day of the week. And the Bible said that thou shalt first, O Israel, thou shalt love the Lord your God. He said, this is the first commandment. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. So in this order, every child of God should have more reverence, especially for your Sunday. Sunday is a day you demonstrate rest in serving God. What do you do on your Sunday? It's not a day to watch TV. It's not a day to wash clothes. It's not a day to go visiting. Sunday is a day you are intentional in serving God, in loving God. You must do more for the Lord on your Sunday than you do for every other week. Do you realize that Monday to Saturday, most of us, some of us will work? And depending on your career, some of us will even work Monday to Sunday, then we have shifts. But in the midst of it, the eternal principle is this. 
There must be a day that you consciously set aside. I said, today is my day of serving God. That is all rest. But when the Bible says that God rested, it does not mean that God went to bed. God does not have bed. You know, but it means that for us, the eternal principle is that you must have a day you serve God. This is what ushers you into blessings and rest. So, even when you come to church and you go back home, you must ask yourself, what else can I do for the Lord? So, when you go to church, maybe you come for first service and you go home. It does not mean that now you start visiting all your friends. Carry your Bible and have more quiet time that Sunday or that day you have chosen as your day of rest. Take notes. Spend quality time. Let me pray more because when I go to work on Monday or any other day, I may not have this time. So you must have a day that is dedicated in, in giving God special quality time. This is the principle of having, living your life in accordance to the word of God. And I want to encourage you. You see, life is designed, the system of this world is designed in such a way that God is not factored in. That's how you see that the busy schedule of life does not factor in your church life, does not factor in your... You are the one that have to create that time for God. Because the Bible calls the devil the prince of this world. The system of this world is designed by the devil so that God will be frustrated out. So that is why you see that if you are not intentional, you can live your life Monday to Sunday without opening your Bible. You can live your life Monday to Sunday without even spending 30 minutes for God. Yet you spend 12 hours, 9 hours chasing money, serving men, serving career, serving other things. But the only place you will always have excuse is when it comes to God. Eternal principle. So I'm encouraging you again. The system of this world is designed by the devil. You have to be discerning to know that you see, the system of this world does not want you to have time for God. So if you are not deliberate in creating time for God, you will be too busy to serve God. And when you are too busy to serve God, then you are too busy. When you are too busy to have time for prayer, to have time for the word, you are too busy. On Tuesday, those of you who missed Tuesday service, I think you should not miss this coming one because those of you were, how many of you were around on Tuesday? Were you not so blessed by the service? We, we, uh, we taught, we had a round table service where we actually taught on how to study the word, how to maximize your devotional time. And we are doing one more practical session coming Tuesday. So don't miss this Tuesday service. But what I'm trying to say to you is that it is time you are intentional in creating more time for the Lord. So and how do you start? Maximize your Sunday. Maximize your Sunday for the Lord. So as you are leaving one service, you ask, what else can I do for the Lord today? Go for fellowship. Go for evangelism. Have more quiet time. Do your, your Sunday should know that yes, you have come. By the time you get to your bed on Sunday, every fiber of your being should know that you have gone to work. Which work is that? It's called the work of God. <laughs> you work for God on Sunday. When you are going to church, somebody accidentally give you happy, happy uh, resting day. Say no, Sunday is a working day. I work for God on Sunday. Monday to Saturday, I, I work for money, do it, but Sunday, I work for who? So when you go, say, where are you going? I'm going to work. Ah, uh -uh, today Sunday. Which work is that? God's work. I'm going to serve the Lord on Sunday. Say with me, I will serve the Lord. I will maximize my Sunday. Say with me, I will maximize my Sunday. For the Lord. Last week Sunday, I went on visitation after the service. I think it was one of our mothers here, John's mom. And by the time I was finishing visitation, I saw her on the street already. Say, what are you doing? I say, ah, 
I'm going to call my friend. It's time for fellowship. Ah! But somebody will look at you and say, but you just came from church not too long. So it's a walking day. I say, it's a what? You see, you, the rest of your week will be blessed because you have dedicated a special day to serve the Lord. Don't just chase after money. It doesn't have eternal value. Serve the Lord on your Sunday. Maximize your Sunday for God. Be wise. Glory be to God. Now, with that in the background, growing in the Word, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt what? Surely die. This was the word of God unto Adam. The commandment that God gave to Adam. And he said, the day you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will happen is that you will die. Now the question is, when Adam ate that fruit, when Adam ate of the fruit of that garden, did he die physically? No, he did not die physically. Eve did not fall down and died. But something died in them. Because God is not a man that should lie. How did we know that something died? You see, before they ate of the fruits of that garden, there were wild animals in that garden because God had created everything already. Lions were there as wild as they are today. The snake could still bite. Tigers were in that garden. What other wild animals do we have? Chimpanzee was there. Hyena were there. What other wild animals do we have? Lion was there. Leopard was there. Elephants were there. Gorillas were there. Baboon were there. You see, that's why it's good to have children. All those of you who are on this, I don't like people. It's like this is where my anointing is coming from today. So continue. <laughs> Jesus is on this side. So you better tell Jesus to come to your side too. <laughs> what other wild animals were in the garden? Tigers were there. Hippopotamus were there. Dragons were there. Crocodiles were there. Giraffe were there. Bears were there. So you see, all these wild animals were in that garden. But yet, not one of them could arm Adam and Eve. Could they bite? They could bite because God never said that after they ate the fruit, that was when the animals became wild. They've always been wild animals. That was their nature. But not one of them could arm Adam because God gave man the dominion over them. There was something supernatural around man that could not make any of these wild animals arm them. But do you realize that after they ate that fruit, man began to hide. After they ate the fruit, they were so afraid that even when they heard the voice of God, they went to go and hide. Fear came into them. Something changed. When, before they ate the fruits, they were not afraid of anything. Before they ate the fruits, they were moving around. Fear was not there. So when they see lion, lion feared them, but they were not afraid of lion. Lion saw them as master. 
So when they are coming, all their wild animals begin to pay obeisance to them. Because God said, dominate the earth. But when they ate that fruit, fear entered. Something died in them. The supernatural died in them. Their spirit died. The covering of God was taken away. So they were now more afraid of the dangers that was in their environment. So even when they just heard a voice from God, they went to go and hide. For the first time, they realized that they were naked. They were more, they were more aware of cold weather. Things that were not arming them began to arm them. What died was the supernatural life that God placed upon them. Man was created a supernatural being. Man was created with divine nature. Man, Bible said that he was made in the image of God after the likeness of God. Man had no fear. Because have you seen that God does not fear anything? Everything fears God, but God does not fear anything. Nothing can harm God. That was the likeness that God placed in man. That nothing can harm him. Nothing can touch him. That was the nature, the supernatural life that God placed in man. But when he disobeyed, he lost that inherent nature. It was not the body that was affected. The supernatural was taken away. So even from that day, the body knew decadence. The body began to respond to the law of degeneration. The body began to respond to sickness. The body began to respond to disease. It began to see wild animals. Why? Something supernatural had left him. So look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. It says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, from that all have sinned. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. So Adam, the fall of Adam, ushered man into the death zone. His spirit died. Now, what did Jesus come to do? What did Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary? Jesus did not come to restore our body. Jesus came to restore that supernatural life to us. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The enemy cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have what? Life. Remember, that man, God said, when you eat of this fruit, you shall what? Die. Jesus said, I am come that they might have what? Life. So, Jesus came to restore our supernatural nature back to us. Jesus came to restore back to us the supernatural nature that was lost in the garden. Jesus came to restore man's back to his state of dominion. Remember what the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should know what? perish but have everlasting life is called zoe the nature of god the life of god so when you became born again everything remains the same physically but what happened in that in your spirit man 
the supernatural nature was restored to you and I. I'm a supernatural being. I said I'm a supernatural being. Look at how Jesus explained it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. It's verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirits, he cannot enter into the kingdom, into the domain, into the rulership of God. Then he said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what? Spirits. Verse 7. Mother, not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Verse 8. Look at it. I love this one. Everybody, verse 8. He said, The wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell when it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So we are like the wind. There is something supernatural about us. So everyone that is born of the Spirit has the wind. Now when it says the wind, you remember that the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, is, the Holy Spirit is likened to the wind. The nature of the wind is everywhere. So we have the supernatural nature of God restored back to us. Say with me, I'm a supernatural being. Oh, you are not excited. Say with me, I'm a supernatural being. So I have supernatural nature in me. Now, John chapter 1 verse 12. Look at John chapter 1 verse 12. As many as received him, to them gave him power to become what? To become what? When he uses the word the sons of God, that means we have the nature of God in us. We have the life of God in us. Um, recently, um, uh, Pastor Gabriel's son went to the swimming pool with my children. And um, my children came back to tell me that, I think the boy, how old is the boy now? Two years, two years old. When he got to the swimming pool, they were waiting for swimming lessons. The boy was just jumping inside water. Even the, anywhere, they had to be holding him. Even the deep side of the water. At a point, Judy said to me that they were looking for him. He was inside the water already. He has jumped. They had to dive. And he was not afraid. I said, no. I said, I'm not surprised. Because even when his mother was pregnant, we went for a picnic together. As gentle as she looked, with a big pot belly, she was diving like a fish inside the water. And we all, even the husband thought it was a joke. So we said both of them should do swimming competition. The woman beat the husband like no man's business. Beat him hands down. Flew, 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 flew. I said, so if the boy is afraid of water, we have to go and check the DNA. Maybe it's not the son of his mother. Or the son of the father. Lady B said, no, she's not surprised because both the father and the mother love water like no man's business. So even at two years old, two years of age, she was displaying the DNA that is in her body, in his body, I mean, that we are water, we are friends. Even when he doesn't know how to throw the hand. You, when the Bible then says, as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God. It means 
the DNA that is running in you is not that of your mother anymore. It's not that of your father anymore. It's the nature of God. When you became born again, in you now is the life of God. The nature of God is there. You see, whatever it is that is in God is now in you. You must be conscious of that. And this is where the battle begins because the devil doesn't want you to know who you are in God. So most of us will really not, we don't really know that God is our father. You know, in John chapter 8 verse 44, Jesus said to them, said, you are of your, of your father the devil. He said, there are two types of men. The one that is fathered by God and the one that is fathered by the devil. So in John 8 44, Jesus said to them, you are of your father the devil. But when you became born again, you are now the children of God. Amen. 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 Say with me, I am a child of God. I have the nature of God in me. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 then says, For we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. That is the good news. That human beings, we are no longer, when you become born again, you are no longer a natural man. And you need to understand that. That's why you can no longer talk defeat. You know, one of the things that people, we used to say to make, to make us look humble sometimes, I want to hear, so nobody is perfect. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. So because of that, I, can, I have my own mistake. I understand that a natural man talks like that. But do you think God will ever talk like that? So can you imagine God saying, oh, my children, you know, I am your God. I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. I am not perfect. Imagine you enter a plane. And the pilot say, hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to um, Virgin Atlantic. Um, this is Boeing 747. I'm going to Heathrow, London. Um, but I want to announce to you, no pilot is perfect. No pilot is perfect. We are all human beings. I'm a father also. I'm not perfect, so any mistake can happen as we are, you know, going on this journey to Heathrow, London. So you have to bear with me whatever happens because no, we are all human beings. No pilot is perfect. And he kept telling you no pilot is perfect. No pilot is perfect. I'm sure somebody will say, eh, waitress, please, I need to come down now. <laughs> uh, this one that this man is saying no pilot is what? So I don't care. I don't care. See, I need to say, no, you have entered. Say, ah, take my money. I am coming down. Ah. But is it not that we talk as children of God? Now, if you don't expect a pilot to even talk like that, if you don't expect God to talk like that, do you see where the devil is taking advantage of us? Because we say we are children of God, but we are talking as children of the world. We are even afraid to declare our identity in God. When you say, no, I'm perfect. I know it does not mean that there are no issues in your life. But you believe that the spirit of God is working on those issues. But you talk because of your identity in God. You are aware of who you are in God. So you don't talk the way the world is talking. How can you be talking and there is no difference between the way the guy who does not know God and the way you, a child of God, is talking? So you ask yourself, will God ever talk like this? If God will not talk like this, I will not talk like that. What, whatever God will not say, 
I will not say it. I don't care how I feel. It does not matter how I feel because I am not of the flesh. I am of the spirit. He that is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the spirit is what? So I talk according to my new nature, which is the spirit of God, which is at work in my life. Say with me, I am perfect. <laughs> I am holy. <laughs> Nobody is holy. No. That is how people who are in the flesh will talk. He that is born of the flesh will say, nobody is holy. The guy is right. But my God is holy. Holiness is in my nature. It does not mean that maybe sometimes you don't make mistakes, but I am not that mistake. I am who God says I am. I am holy. I am righteous. I am a child of God. Say with me, I am holy. I am righteous. I am a child of God. Say it loud again, I am holy. I am righteous. I am a child of God. Oh, say, even some of us, we are afraid to say it. Because the devil will tell you, but you remember what you did yesterday. Say with me, I am not my mistake. Say, I am not my mistake. I am not a sinner. I am a child of God. No, we are all sinners. No. no I, when I became born again, I stopped becoming a sinner. Can God be called a sinner? No, he that is born of the flesh is what? He that is born of the spirit is who? Hallelujah, somebody. So the son name of every unbeliever is a sinner. The son name of every child of God is righteous. Is holiness. Everyone that is born of the spirit is called righteous. Everyone that is born of the spirit of God is called what? Righteous. Now how then did we, was this life transferred into us? What is the source of our spiritual life? Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, it tells us how the new birth takes place in us and that we need to live. It says 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. It's, the Bible also says in 1 Peter, it says, being born of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You see, the new life came to us to the transportation of the word of God. The word of God is the vehicle. The word of God is the transportation. The word of God is the means with which we became born again. You heard the word. You believed the word. And you acted on the word. And the supernatural life entered into you. That is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 verse 4. He said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that cometh from the mouth of God. So in other words, when you were in the world, you live by Akbu, you live by Fufu. When you were in the world, you were living by Eba. That was the means of your sustenance. And when you don't eat, you become weak. The kind of food you eat has effect on your life. But now that you are born again, there is another source of nourishment. There is another source of life. And that source of life came by what? The word of God. The word of God is the means of that supernatural life. So Jesus said to the devil, he said, no, I know something better now. And he said to him, man shall not live by bread alone. You see, there is a life that we are living now. This life is powered 
by the word of God. It's a source of our strength. It's a source of life to us. The word of God is everything to a believer. So you know the word, when you are not feeding in the word, you stop growing. When you are not feeding on the word, the supernatural life cannot manifest. You cannot walk in the realm of power without the word. Because you see, you were birthed by the word of God. You were birthed by what? The word of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me quickly give you some points on the word of God. Fundamental truth about the word of God. Some fundamental truth about the word of God. Number one, the word of God is an all-purpose seed. The word of God is an all-purpose seed. In Genesis chapter 8 verse 22, the Bible says, Surely, seed time and harvest time will not cease. He said, As long as the heaven remaineth and the earth remaineth, it says, seed time and harvest time will not cease. What is seed time? What is seed? In Luke chapter 8 verse 11, the, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower, then he said, the seed, Luke 8 11 said, the seed is what? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So when you, we became born again, the seed of the word of God was planted in us. And it birthed the new life. Then it means every other thing answers to that same principle. If you, you cannot be born again without the seed of the word in you. That means that same process. When you heard the word, you believed the word, you acted on the word, and the life of God was better than you. Is the same way every other thing will take place in that kingdom. Is somebody with me? Now let me say this. When the Bible says the seed is the word of God, look at it. A farmer that wants guava, what will he do? What will he plant? He will, he will plant guava seed, right? If you want orange, what will you plant? Orange seed. If you want, which other seed would you want? Corn. What will you plant? Now, can, can you desire corn and go and plant beans? So that means the kind of harvest you expect determines the kind of seed you will sow. Are you with me? That means your, the seed you put in the ground is an expression of your desired harvests. Your desire guides your seed. Am I right? So when you see a man, a farmer, who is stealing the ground and putting seed there, what that tells you is that that man, that farmer, is expecting an harvest of, of that particular seed. So you can actually know the desire of a man by watching the seed he's sowing. So your seed is an expression of what? Your desire. And that is why the Bible says that God will grant us the desires 
of what? Our heart. Listen to me. That means if I want healing in my life, what kind of seed do I need to plant? That means in the word of God, there are seeds for healing. So if a man is not experiencing divine healing, go back to the... If a farmer is not reaping corn and is complaining, you know, I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. I've been farming all my life. I've been, I, 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 I wet, wet my ground in the morning. I pour water in my ground. I pour manure. But I don't understand why I am not reaping uh, corn. I don't understand why there is no corn. It's like all this, all this thing is a scam. No, when you listen to that farmer, what will you tell him? Which seed did you what? Because you see, until the seed of corn goes into the ground, it does not matter how many manure you are putting there. It does not matter how many times you are wetting the floor. It does not matter how many times you are plowing the floor or the soil. All that matters is that whatever you do, corn will only grow where the seed has been what? If a believer is bound by sickness, it does not mean that the nature of God is not in him. It does not mean that he's not born again or she's not born again. It does not mean that God has changed. It simply means where sickness is reigning, the seed of healing is absent. Are you with me? If a believer is saying, I am not seeing prosperity in my life. No prosperity. I walk and walk. I am still poor. Don't be surprised. Move near and say, are you planting the seed of what? Prosperity. Because you see, the Lord has said in Genesis 8, as long as the earth and the heaven remain, seed time and harvest time will not cease. And that seed is what? Luke 8, 11, that seed is what? That seed is what? The word. So it means the reason why there are so many Christians who when you look at them, there is nothing about God or supernatural in their life is because they don't know that in the supernatural life, answers to seed time and harvest time. It's by, I think it's over a year now. I woke up one morning, and you know, normally when I have headache, I take paracetamol. I take paracetamol. I just said, no. Ah, what is it? I'm a child of God. If I cannot begin to believe God for divine health, even with headache, that means I cannot begin to experience divine health with other things. So I just was, I will not wait until the devil tempts me with a major sickness before I know how to exercise something. So I said, from today, in the name of Jesus, paracetamol will never touch my mouth again. I will never experience headache in my life or any feverish condition again. Paracetamol, bye-bye for life. I took that decision over a year ago now. My wife can testify. There are times, I remember one particular day, the headache came so powerful. For two days, it was intense. I would sleep at night like the, my head would be pounding. I said, the devil is coming to tempt me. 
So I woke up one day like that after the second day. And for whatever reason, in the night, I wanted to go and take water. Here was paracetamol on my dressing table. Staring at me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I am not taking paracetamol again. You headache. No sickness can prosper in my body. I am walking in divine health. I am walking in divine health. By stripes I am healed. Because you see, all I know is that if I can put the seed in the ground, the law of harvest will guarantee me results. Honestly, I don't know when that idea disappeared. And it's been over one year now by the grace of God. I am standing here as a leader this morning. I have never tasted paracetamol. I don't even know how it tastes again. And I will never taste it again in my life. But you see, I don't just make that declaration. You must know that for every harvest, harvest does not just answer to talking. It answers to what? Seeding. You must put that seed. The seed is the word of God. 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 Any area you are experiencing difficulty, stop complaining and start sowing the seed. You need to put the seed in the ground. You need to put the seed in the ground. A farmer is not surprised when he sees the harvest of corn growing. He knows that I have put the seed. You see, the real place we ought to labor as children of God is the place where we are deliberate in putting the seed in the ground. Is somebody with me? Principle number two. The seed of the word of God requires the appropriate sowing ground. So we, the principle number one is that the word of God is a multipurpose seed. Multipurpose means it can undo any of life's challenges. Multipurpose means for any dimension of problem, uh, those is when we used to be in the Molwe. I'm sure those Molwe, those, those commercial bosses in Nigeria here, those of you who don't know Molwe, you enter and somebody will lift up a drug if you have entered before. Say, this drug! <laughs> How many of you have seen them before? It can heal malaria, it can heal typhoid. And you know, in Nigeria, it's only in Nigeria that typhoid and malaria, they are husband and wife. Until recently, I hear that they have now discontinued that thing that is not possible. When you go by default, it's typhoid and malaria. It's not true. It's not true. At medicine, we tell you that you cannot just have the truth. Yeah, come in Nigeria, it's typhoid and malaria, typhoid and malaria. It's like their husband and wife. Where there is typhoid, you see malaria. Where there is malaria, you see. <laughs> Multipurpose. Any of life challenges, the word of God is the answer to it. Then the next thing is that the seed of the word of God requires appropriate sowing ground. Requires what? Appropriate sowing ground. If the word of God is a seed, do you realize that every seed requires a soil? Every seed requires what? A soil. You cannot put corn seed on your refrigerator and expect it to grow. You cannot put corn seed on your table and expect it to grow. What is the soil that the word of God grows in? Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Look at it now. Jesus, when he called the word of God the seed in Luke 8, 11. Then Luke 8, 15 began to explain Luke 8, 15. But the one that fell on the good ground are those who have the word of God with a noble good heart. In fact, go back to verse 12. 
Go back to verse 12. Give me verse 12, guys. All right. Those by the wayside are those who once hear the word. The devil come and take the word again from where? Where did the devil take it away? Where did the devil take it away from? From their heart. The heart, the heart of man is a soil for God. Our, your heart and my heart is the soil. The word of God is a seed. Our heart is the soil. Say with me, my heart is the soil. Now, let me now, if our heart is a soil, there are different types of soil. Not every soil can grow a seed. Not every soil can grow a seed. According to our Greek, in agriculture, there are four types of soil. We have the sandy soil, which is very loose. Clay soil. Right? Then silt soil. Silt soil is a mixture of both sandy and clay. Then we have the loamy soil. Loamy soil is the perfect one for growing seed. Four types of soil. But do you know also that there are four types of hearts? Jesus, in reference to the word of God, as a seed, then went on to describe, just as there are different types of soil, Jesus then showed that there are different types of heart condition. Not every heart condition can make the word of God grow. Now, this is where it gets interested. Some will say, but you know, I've been taking the word of God. I've been confessing the word of God. But I am not seeing the result. Check what kind of art do you have. You cannot have a sandy soil and expect God come to grow. So the seed may be right, but if the soil is not right, there cannot be harvest. There can only be frustration. So there are those who have the right seed, but the wrong soil. They have the right seed. The seed of the word. You say somebody say, you know, recently I was with a woman yesterday. And the woman said to me, Ah, sir, even, she's, a, she's a pharmacist. She said, sir, even in my shop now, there is, I don't even have paracetamol there. I don't have paracetamol. Paracetamol that is less than 100 there. I said, what happened, madam? He said, they came to spend strange money for me. So somebody spent strange money. And uh, from that day, my shop went down. I said, are you a Christian? He said, ah, pastor, I'm a Christian, no? I tithe, I give my offering, I laugh. I say, hey, do you know it's possible to be tithing? To be giving offering? To be sowing the seed? And yet you are not seeing results. Why? When you are putting the word of God to work, and you are sure that you are putting the word of God to work, but you are not seeing the harvest, what you need to check is the soil. Check the soil. What kind of soil are you putting that seed into? Because you see, if the seed is right and the soil is wrong, the harvest cannot be guaranteed. So oftentimes people think that the word of God is no longer working. As for the word, the word will always work. But your responsibility is to ensure that you are putting that word in the right soil. So there are four different kinds of soil in the natural and in the spiritual, there are also four different kinds of soil. The Jesus said, look at in the verse 12, he said the first kind of soil, he calls it the wayside soil or the roadside soil. He said, these are they that hear the word. And you know, 
instantly the enemy comes to take it away. In other words, these ones are just religious people. They come to church just to fulfill Sunday requirement, Sunday obligation. They, 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 these are the people who say, oh, when you meet them on the road, I have my church, but there is nothing about church. There is nothing churchy about their life. No, no iota of supernatural experience. He said, they hear the word, but the devil comes to take it away. They hear the word, but the devil comes to take it away. Because you see, they just pass by the house of God. They just, they, they just know God, but God does not know them. Wayside son. So a wayside person, he hears the word. Every Sunday he comes to hear. But you see, we'll never go back home to open this Bible. Wayside son, if you ask him by Monday, what did you learn in church on Sunday? He can't remember. What did your pastor preach? He can't remember. He only remembered that he went to church on Sunday. I was in church on Sunday. What is it that was taught? Nothing. As the person is leaving church, he left the word in church. The word did not live with him. <laughs> wayside. I said wayside. I said wayside. Jesus did not want to deceive us. God cannot be mocked. You cannot have a wayside soil and expect supernatural results. When I announced on Sunday, for instance, that we are coming on Tuesday to learn how to have devotional Bible study. That's why you saw that we rented tables. We created that atmosphere that will happen every morning when you wake up. Because you see, most people only know how to quote their Bible, quote their pastor. They don't even know how to quote God. Most Christians today, the art of personal devotion has left us. We have family devotion, but we don't have personal devotion. Most Christians today don't know how to have quiet time. They don't know how to memorize the scripture. They don't know how to meditate on the scripture. These habits are leaving us, but let me say this to you. No pastor is pastor enough to replace your personal devotional life. No man of God can lay hands on you to impart knowledge. Proverbs 12 says, it is not good that a man be without knowledge. Wayside. Don't have personal relationship with God. They have a church just for identity. Maybe the day they want to do name ceremony or they want to get married. Or they need a reference from the church. But there is no personal relationship with God. Jesus is the one that described that soil. The next soil that Jesus then described, he calls it the rocky soil. The rocky soil. Now he said, this kind of soil, verse 13, said, but these are they who when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no roots. Who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. The problem with the rocky soil, when they hear the word, Hallelujah! Glory be to God! Amen! Pastor, preach it! Hey! Oh boy, ah, today's service, eh? I was so blessed. Ah, no, my pastor is good. My pastor is good. You need to hear my pastor. Ah, oh boy. No, I hear that. But he goes, tomorrow morning, he wakes up with headache in his head. And he said, no, I'm not taking paracetamol. I hear pastor said that, no, he has not taken paracetamol for one year. Hmm, me too. I'm not taking paracetamol. Ah, the devil will laugh. You. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> so you will not take it, eh? So begin to confess. I am by his stripes, I am healed. Then the devil begin to turn it up. As he's confessing the word, the thing is getting worse. Ah! Ah! No, 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 no. I will not take paracetamol again. By his tribes, I am ill. But when the thing begins to do, bangolo, bangolo, 
say, maybe let me just, today I will take it, next time. He who lives to fight another day, or he who lives, there's a saying like that. What's the word? We who what? He who fights and runs away. Lives to fight. And so today I will run away first. So, I'm not reached the level of faith of pastor. I'm not a man of God yet. I told you. But in time of temptation, in time of test, in time of trial, they fall away because the word has no root in them. They lack depth. What is the place of depth? You hear the word, you go back home, say, what are the things I learned in church today? And you are there. there. Even you are studying more. You are memorizing. You are making sure the word goes deeper. If somebody asks a man who has depth, he can repreach what pastor has preached. He, he, he has further reference. That is the place of work. Most of us don't do that. You see, when you come to church, your relationship does not end in church. Church becomes a platform to launch you into a deeper walk with God. It does not mean that that is the full stop. Church is just a comma. After church, there are more things you need to do. When you hear the word, what is there is that every word you hear from the man of God is a comma. The full stop can only come when you put that word into practice. When you put that word into the depth of your heart. But when we hear the word, we put comma in it. That's why the art of listening to messages. You see, no matter who you are, even what I'm preaching now, you can only retain about 10% maximum. Until you go back and listen to it again. Maybe when I said something, you may be dozing off. You might have dozed off. Maybe when I said something, you missed it. My wife was listening to a message yesterday night. And I listened to something in it. So when I was sharing what, what that part of my message, are you sure it's the same message I listened to? I said, yes. You see, the truth of the matter is that you have to hear and rehear the word so that it can find roots in you. That is why in church, for instance, you see us that we have invested in ways for the word of God to easily get on your mobile device. If you are using iPhone, you see that if you, if you just search for Real Great Chapel on your podcast right now, you will see it will pop up on your podcast. If you subscribe to it, every time we, the message are loaded, automatically is there. If you are using Android, if you download the app, Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, you subscribe to Real Great Chapel there. Every time, the word is there. If you go to YouTube, we upload on our YouTube channel. Last week, Tuesday, by the time we finished, they, told, they came to tell me that, you know, the, the audio on the YouTube page wasn't there. I said to myself, how come nobody knew in church? That means, you see, people only hear it once. They don't make that extra effort for the word to find roots in them. So what if the man of God makes a mistake? What if what he had preached is not in accordance with the word? Do you know what happens? They just go on with it like that. Why? They don't take out time for the word to find root. The word that, does not have, that is not rooted in you cannot benefit you. What is the state of your soil? What kind of soil do you carry? The third type of soil, Jesus calls this one... In fact, I love it. It's called tony soil. Tony soil. Tony soil. See, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, you see the emphasis on heard, 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 heard. What about those who don't hear the word of God at all? That means there's no future for a man who don't hear the word. A man who does not even hear at all has no future in the kingdom. In our church, you see, among our workers now and shepherds in church, you see, I'm be, I've been training them on how to hear the word. When you see everybody, I say, let me see you with your earpiece. You must experience the word. Hear and hear it. 
So the type four, he said, these are they who had heard the word, but go out and choked with cares, riches, and pleasure of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. In other words, these ones, they hear it. Oh, they hear that maximize your Sunday for the Lord. Give more time to God. They yet serve the Lord. But you see, the only thing that is lacking in them is that the reason why the word of God is not benefiting them is that they are not putting the word to work. They are not bearing fruits. No outreach. You are not winning souls. You are not serving God. You like to just be there, sit there and hear the word. Bible says, for when for the time, Hebrews 4, he says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that all, a man should teach you again. You know the word? You see, there is a time to hear and there is a time to put the word to work. You, every word of God is for one purpose, so that you can become fruitful. That is why Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I think that should be John 15, 6 of John 15, 8. All right, you see, if you abide in me and my words abide, you are when people say, But you, you don't go to church before I say, No, I now realize that I should not be sleeping. I, I don't follow my feelings anymore. I don't follow how I feel. I'm just doing the word. You see, you don't feel like it, but you are doing it. Because you know that you need to become mature. Somebody, ah, brother, you too, you are going, you are not serving God. No, no, no. I realize that it's not right for a Christian to just be sitting there. I must get involved. What can I do in the house of God? Because I want to bear fruit. You see, when the choristers come here now to sing, what are you enjoying? You are enjoying people who are bearing fruit with their gifts. Without those people, the one who ushered you in, the one who, who is singing, without those people, church cannot be the same again. Now, you too need to begin to bear fruit by using your talent to be a blessing to the body of Christ. You have to ask yourself, how can I be a blessing to the body of Christ? When you go to the restroom now, the place is so clean and smelling so nice. The reason why you can use that place, all right, is because some people are there taking care of it. They may not be able to know how to sing. They may not be able to do other things. The chair you have sat on, somebody uses or a talent to make sure that the chair is clean for you to come and sit there. Bear fruit! It's a sign of maturity. When you begin to serve God, you are showing that you are becoming mature. Don't you realize that there is a time you receive from your parents, there is a time you begin to bless them back. When a child is not mature, he cannot bless his parents back. They send it to school, you go to university, but at the time, you two, you leave that house. You are now working. Now you are earning salary. You begin to bless them back. So maturity is, is, it, is it, when you are mature, what happens is that your gifts, your talent begins to be a blessing back to the body of Christ. You are not just receiving. You see, it shows the condition of your heart. You are not just receiving. You are communicating back value to the word. Tell your neighbor, it's time to grow up. Oh, I said tell your neighbor, it's time to grow up. It's time to be matured. It's time to serve God with your talent, with your gift. You see, when you make that decision to begin to use your gift, your talent, to serve the Lord, it shows that your heart condition has changed. It's a change of your heart condition. It's a type of heart. There's a type of heart that we only want to receive, but there's a type of heart that says, no, it's time for me to also give. Jesus said, Say this one, the, the only thing that is lacking, that is not making the word of God bear fruit in them, is that they are not fruitful. They are not matured. Then the fourth type of soil 
Hallelujah. Verse 15, look at it. Verse 15. Look at it now. Verse 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those. Is, you see, so he's defining, describing different kind of art conditions that remember that these are Christians. These are children of God because all of them are hearing the word. Are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. What is the difference? So when these ones hear the word, they keep it. They meditate on it. These are people who go back and say, this word, how can I put it to work in my life? See, when a man with a noble and a good heart hears the word, he does not just hear it from hearing's sake. He hears the word with the aim of putting it to work in his or life. Oh, you hear that thou should, you should be fruitful. Said from today, I'm going to be fruitful. I may not feel like it. I may not like it. But every time I hear the word, I will put it to work. Now listen to me, children of God. The word of God must be, as a seed must be buried in the appropriate soil for it to bring forth result. John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickened. The flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? They are spirit and they are what? They are life. They are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are, another translation says, they are life giving. They produce life. In your finances, the word can produce life. In your marriage, the word can produce life. In your career, the word can produce life. The word of God is a seed. Your heart is a soil. Begin to watch the ground and your, the soil will grow. I'm going to give you an illustration right now of a woman who put this into action. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And a certain woman, verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his cloth, I shall be made whole. Verse 29. And straight away the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she fell in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who taught my clothes? Verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude throng in thee, and seest thou who touched me. Verse 34. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole. Hallelujah. I know that was fast, but there's a reason for that. So we are going to break it down. Now, this is a story of a woman that got a miracle without even Jesus doing anything. This is the principle that is eternal. Now, every seed remains a seed until it enters the right ground. Now, if I plant mango seed in a sandy soil, it can remain there. All that will happen to that mango seed that instead of growing, it will dry up. Because sandy soil cannot make it grow. Right? So now, what we want to learn is how this woman was able to draw out the power from that seed. And it dried up every issue of her life. The first thing we read 
is that there was a certain woman, all right, and um, the Bible described her in verse 26, and has suffered many things of, uh, with the issue of blood for 12 years. Look at it, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood for how many years? 12 years. 12 years. Now, do you know what is so interesting about this woman's case? Is that the Bible calls her case critical condition for 12 years. Verse 29, if you check NLT, verse 29, it actually calls it, verse 29, give me NLT, Mark 529, NLT. It calls it terrible condition. Terrible condition. Why was a problem called terrible? This woman had, was suffering from about five conditions here. Number one, medical condition. She had the issue of blood. Number two, financial problem. Because the Bible said that she had spent all her money. She had become broke. Number three, religious problem. Because Leviticus chapter 15 verse 25 says that any woman that has a, a blood flowing through her, whatever she touches becomes unclean. So religiously she was also having a religious problem because she was no longer acceptable in the society. Everything she touches becomes unclean. Number four, the, she has a psychological problem. Psychological problem is that she has been in this condition for 12 good years. That means she's no longer in the right mental states. You know when, when the, she, she, right now her mind is no longer normal. Because for 12 years, she must have become an anxious woman. A woman who, is, who has been depressed. A woman who has been pressed down. And number five, she also has marital problem. Because according to the word of God in Leviticus chapter 5, verse 25 to 27, the Bible says that when a woman is suffering from the issue of blood, the husband should not touch her again. Until that blood dries up. So if she had been there for 12 years... If she was married, that means that that marriage, is, that marriage is finished. And if she was not yet married, that means she cannot marry. So you can see that this woman had five problems. So when you read, you just thought that she was ill that day. Jesus taught her finances. Jesus taught her, her religious problem. Jesus solved her medical problem. Jesus solved her psychological problem. And Jesus solved her marital problem. That day when that woman was healed. Every aspect of her life was touched. Is somebody with me? The second thing you will observe about this woman, Luke actually said she could not be healed. You should believe Luke more because Luke was a doctor. In Luke chapter 8 verse 2, Luke described her condition as, no, Luke 8 42, sorry. Luke 8 42 said this woman could not be healed. Could not be healed. That means medically she had an incurable disease that the condition of that age could not solve. But let me say this to you. There is, I cannot continue in this subject, but I want to quickly draw something out. Why did the Bible mention 12 years? Why did the Bible mention that number, 12 years? You see, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, is a, is a scripture... That Jesus solved two issues of 12 years simultaneously. In fact, before verse 25, people came to call Jesus that Jairus' daughter was sick. And guess how old the girl was? 12 years. 
So Jesus was going to solve one 12 years old issue, then another 12 year old issue came up. There's a reason why two 12 years issue came. And I'm going to tell you why. God is trying to communicate something about the word of God to us. Do you know the two 12 years, Jesus said the same thing to them. Concerning this woman, Jesus said to her, your faith has made you old. When the news of Jairus also came that the daughter was dead, Jesus also said to Jairus, believe, have faith in God, and your daughter will be whole. So both of them was referenced with faith. And remember what the Bible said that faith comes by what? Hearing. Remember when the Bible says that the woman, after she has heard about Jesus, go back there, Luke 5, 26. He said, when she had heard about Jesus, remember that the, the parable of the sower kept talking about hearing, hearing, hearing. Whoever is on the screen, I need someone that will be very far when I quote the scripture, please. Mark 5, 26. You see, so Jesus said, the Bible said, and when she had heard of Jesus, when she has heard of Jesus. So it means that the issue of blood, that 12 years issue, did not just dry up. It dried up because she heard the word. And the condition of her heart must be a fertile ground. Based on what we learned earlier. Is somebody with me? No, are you still here you have gone home? Are you following me right now? I'm trying to communicate the theological principle of the word 12 years for you here. Jairus also the other 12 years heard of Jesus and also came and invited him so both of them the word was working for them what is the significance of this 12 years you see in the Bible the number 12 represent perfection and authority perfection and authority perfection and authority and you realize that the clock our clock today is divided into two 12 right don't you realize that the clock has 12 handles? 12 numbers, I mean. 1 to 12. So it means if we have two 12 years, Darius, first 12, the woman with the issue of blood, second 12, you can see that we can call that day and night. It means round the clock, the word of God will always work for you. 24 hours a day. The word of God will always produce result for you because Jesus was showing you that no matter the, whether in the daytime or the nighttime, the word of God always works. But don't stop there. How many months do we have in a year? How many months do we have in a year? It means from January to December, when you put the word of God to work, it will always produce results regardless of the season of your life. Is somebody with me right now? How many tribes do we have in Israel? Twelve. Now, remember we have twelve tribes, first twelve. In the New Testament, how many disciples did Jesus have? Good. Now, it means, you see, when you see twelve in the old, 12 in the new. It means it has become an eternal principle. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's an eternal principle. Forever, oh God, thy word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. Psalm 1, 9, verse 89. It means people of God. Is the woman with the issue of blood. Deal virtue out of the seed of the word. It means the word of God will produce results in your life. 
the daytime, it will produce results. Have you then understood why Joshua said in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make, how do you make your way prosperous? By extracting the virtue. Jesus said, virtue had gone out of me. Virtue had gone out of me. When you meditate, when you draw out that seed, the life from the word of God, he said, you are making your way prosperous. Why? You are sowing the seed of success when you begin to put the word to work. Then thou shalt have good success. Good success answers to the word. Children of God, I want to encourage you today. It is time to become students of the word. In the second service, I'm going to tell you more principles from the story of this woman. But today, where are we stopping here? You know the word of God is a seed. Your heart is a soil. You put the seed in the soil, right? And if the soil is right, the word will produce results. It's an eternal principle. It's something that will work regardless of where you are. The season of your life is something that will always produce results for you. Regardless of where you are, 24 hours a day, 12 months a year, the word will produce results. It's my prayer for you that as you go into this week, the word will produce more results in your finances, in your career. Whatever represents frustration in your life dies today. One of our sisters came to my office the other day. She said she'd been believing God for a job. The husband, too, said, you know, the man has been in a place of, for so many years and he needed to change his job. So they were in my office. And after we engaged, both the husband and the wife, I said, let me pray. So both of them were there. As I laid my hands on them, I just felt a gushing out in my belly. So I began to prophesy. Honestly speaking, I didn't know what, what I was prophesying about. Because you see, the spirit of prophecy is not what we conjure. It's what the Holy Spirit draws out. About two weeks later, they called me and said, Pastor, the Lord has done it. He said, Pastor, I've gotten my miracle job. I said, not only that, within two weeks, he said, my husband too has got, in fact, the, the problem of the husband was that three jobs came within two weeks. In fact, as a last week, as it was it last week, he said, Pastor, my problem now is that I've just resumed one and another better offer had come. I said, what should I do? I said, thank God for the good problem that I started. Because there was a time, the problem was that there was no job at all. But now the job is too much. I said, it's your season. But you know what she said? She said, my wife said, when you were praying that day, as you were praying for us, you kept saying, a particular word. You kept saying a particular word. And he said, I've forgotten what the word is and I don't want to actually say what I can't remember. But I do remember that he said, you kept saying a particular word. And she, she held on to that word. As she was leaving that meeting, she put the word in her heart. That was how come when the miracle came, she could tie it to the word. Because you see, the word entered her spirit. And when the word enters into your spirit, by all means, when the condition of the soil is right, <laughs> it says seed time and harvest time. It says will not cease. The harvest will always be guaranteed. I'm saying to you today, by the spirit of God, 
as you go forth into this week, that in the name of Jesus, whatever it is that represents an issue in your own life too, whatever it is that figuratively is your own 12 years issue, it does not matter how long it has been there. If you will believe this word, I now speak into your life. An end has come to it. I said an end has come to it. In the name of Jesus. The word is producing results in your life. Stand to your feet with me. Put your hand together for the Lord. Glory be to God. Lift your voice and celebrate God. Say, Lord, I celebrate your faithfulness. I celebrate that the, the, the power in your word. I celebrate the power in your word. I thank you, Lord, for your word is yea and amen. Somebody celebrate the word of God in your life. I thank you because your word is true. Your word is life. Yo, I am a product of the world. I am born of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God that abides forever. Oh, lift your voice, somebody, and thank God for his word. For his word runneth swiftly. For his word, he sent his word and his word deliver them. The word of God is living. The word of God is alive. The word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. And that word is producing results in your life today. That word of God is producing results in your life today. The word of God is bringing your desires to pass. The word is producing results in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, before we close, I want to lead you. You know, some of you were not at Rise to Glory. You didn't join Rise to Glory during the week. But there's this word that the Lord gave to us. It's a prayer point that is producing testimony. We may not have enough time to pray it in this first service. But by the grace of God, we're going to pray deeper in the second service. But I want to give, for those of you who are just going after this first service, an advantage to pray that prayer. Acts chapter 3 verse 2. Amplified Bible. Acts chapter 3 verse 2. It says, When a certain man crippled from his birth, crippled from his birth, was being carried along, was being carried along, who was laid each day at that gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he might beg for charity gifts from those who entered the temple. This is called a crippling situation. The man was at the gate called beautiful, but there was nothing beautiful about his life. Even though he was seeing beauty, he was not personally experiencing beauty. What a crippling situation. Crippling situations are the thing that make you require assistance. Even when you ought to be the one giving assistance to somebody else. Crippling situations are that which makes a man beg when he ought to be the one giving to others. Crippling situations are situations that whatever it is that you are due for, will not be, you will not practically experience it in your life. The man was experiencing a crippling situation. You see, Bible said that he was carried daily. Carried daily. 
you know, creeping situation when others are even talking about promotion, you are still talking about getting employment. When others of your mates are talking about graduating, you are still talking about getting admission. When others are talking about marriage, you are still talking about no one is proposing to me. When others are talking about, oh, now this is where I am. You see, you are still talking about even struggling to eat every day. Crippling situation makes a man or a woman be at a level that is not correspondence with his achievements. You know the word? What you ought to be achieving, you can imagine when an 18 years old is still drinking baby formula. That is a crippling situation. But the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to that man. And that season of crippling situation was over. Listen to me. You must learn to speak to crippling situation in your life. You must learn to say enough is enough. enough you is must enough. not learn to say this is not where I ought to be. You must learn to say I refuse to celebrate this level. This morning before you leave this service, I want to lead you to pray this one prayer point. I don't know who you are, but I strongly believe the word of the Lord is bringing you out of every crippling situation. The word of God is turning every crippling situation to a Testimony today. Lift up your right hand. And I want you to pray with zeal. Pray from the depth of your heart. And say with me in the name of Jesus. Oh, somebody let your word catch fire. Say with me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I can hear your word. Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every form of crippling situation. Contending with my life. Every situation. That represent crippling situation. Contending with my life. In the name of Jesus. I believe the word of God. And I say, all that crippling situation. And today. And today. And today. In the name of Jesus. Somebody fire rise up prayer. Fire rise up prayer. Fire rise up prayer. Crippling situation must bow. Whatever is disgracing you, whatever is a source of ridicule, every source of shame has to give way today. Lift up your right hand and begin to exercise authority. Rabaya Kusheketaya, Kedula Gadesha, Zendo Legata. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you lift 